CBP stories are behind the scenes looks at the lives of your peers who have had an inspiring journey to become who they are today. We hope that their experiences and insight will help you better yourself in some way. Cheers. Hey, Joanne, it is always a pleasure to see you, whether in person, which we had the opportunity to do fairly recently. I know it was fantastic Yay. or virtually. And, you know, we're all craving a little human interaction. And I know you said a minute ago, you feel like I suckered you into doing this. Why do you feel that way? Well, because I, I told you before, I don't feel like I have anything very different or interesting to say for a lot of the people within the industry. I just, you know, I mean, I've been around for a long time. Uh, Julia hers always tells me I'm not let's say old, I'm not let's say you know wise and mature, but I mean I I don't I mean I I maybe it's just because I like one on one conversations I and you know I don't feel you know I don't feel the need uh, or the um, desire you know some people really like that glory right go up yeah yeah I'm talking I don't I don't really care. <laughs> Honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. And let's think of this as just a conversation that you and I are having. Other people may or may not be watching at this time. Yeah, exactly. And in every conversation I have with you, you know, we always go in with a focus, but we end up going on so many different tangents. We could talk forever. And that's the beauty of this industry. And I think that's what you offer. You offer so much insight from your career in craft beer and everything you've done. That That's really valuable because we can learn from it. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing that I think you know, perspective, right? And maybe that's why too, I don't like to have discussions because a lot of people don't understand my background to know why I'm saying the things I say, you know, and we can talk a little bit about hazy IPAs and why I hate them too, because of that bigger, right? That bigger conversation. But, you know, I started in this industry haphazardly because I was working in pro sports and the craft brewery was a sponsor and got, you know, fortunately that craft brewery was New England and uh, New England Brewing Company, Marsha King, and, and the brewer was Phil Markowski, you know, and their passion and their excitement, I was home brewing, got me interested in beer that got me into New Haven Brewing Company. Then I moved to Colorado that got me into the BA, you know, yes, I know how to brew. Yes, I have brewed. I don't like to clean. That's why I would never be a really great pro brewer. Um, Cause that's fundamentally, you have to be a good cleaner if you want to make good beer. But I mean, like the history and the trajectory of where I've been, I've been on the brewing side. I've been on the supplier side. I've been on the on the, the nonprofit side, you know, or the association side. Um, and then I left for a while and did some consulting and, and worked again, went, kind of went back to working with breweries and then have come back as a supplier to an industry that, you know, I watched in the background for six or seven years. And, you know, it's. So, like I said, I kind of have this this jumbled ball of yarn of all these different things that come together. And I think that's why sometimes I don't like to do these things because my perspective is I'm hitting all the notes. I'm not just doing one thing. And so to some people that may seem a little bit scattered or a little bit opinionated. Because I think I, that's why you and I get along. I, I like to be a sponge for random information. And over your career, you've looked at the industry from so many different angles. I believe you have a ton of perspective on you know each aspect of it, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's changed. It's grown. I mean, it's it's three decades. It's three decades. It's, you know, um, a little bit frightening sometimes. Um, and I'm still here. Um, and I do find the industry fascinating and I do find the changes that have fascinated, you know, fascinating over the last three decades. And 
to your point, there's there's been changes in those three decades in each of those areas, right? You know, obviously brewers, you know, that started in the 80s are kind of like the brewers that started in 2020, 2019. Okay, let's maybe not COVID, but, you know, small, passionate people excited about that. You know, suppliers, the suppliers, that has changed tremendously because of the growth, because of the focus on local. I mean, look at all the new, you know, if you want to say local suppliers, local malt companies, local hop companies, you know, and so it's like that's kind of come full circle and taking it to the next level of down to even that, you know, locality is, you know, your demographic is shrinking where you're looking for your ingredients. And that's pretty cool. And then on the association side, you know, it's definitely adapted. Um, you know, the BA came out of a lot of people, you know, the, the Brewers Association, but it used to be the Institute of Brewing Studies and the American Home Brewers Association you know, and then it morphed and then it did something different. And then they made changes during, you know, COVID. And then we have all the state guilds and the importance of the state guilds. And it's my understanding there's now a new craft beer alliance that's starting uh, as well. So, you know, I mean, I think of every industry, there's maturity, there's constant change over, you know, no matter whether you've been here two years or 30 years. And, you know, you just have to make sure that you're embracing it and you're understanding it, even if you don't agree with it. Because there's a lot, I, I will tell you, I don't agree with that happens within our industry. And maybe that's my diverse background, but I'm honest about it, you know, and, I'm, and, and I'll explain to you why I disagree with the statement or I'll tell you again why I don't like hazy IPAs. Um, and I think that that's really important that people understand is it's okay to have diversity and be different as long as you're respectful when you're talking to that other group and you you hear what they have to say just as much as they hear what you have to say. No, I couldn't agree more. It's all about having that conversation because we can learn so much from one another. Now, I want to go way back for you right now, though, because you've been in the industry a little bit of time now. Did you think you were going to end up in the crappier industry or as a child? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, boy, so I come from a family of lawyers and doctors and I actually got accepted to law school. I would have never, ever said beer. Um, but again, I, I kind of fell into it, right? Working in pro sports, having a, a brewery, craft brewery sponsor going, wow, I like what these guys are. This is fun. And I had, like I said, I had been home brewing. So, I mean, I liked the whole concept of brewing and beer. Um, there is a big beer history in my family in Anheuser-Busch, um, as well. And um, I have a half of my family that's also in the liquor distribution business. So there was some family history in the industry there, but no, I, it, it fell in my lap and I think it stuck because of the positions that I was able to find that really fueled the passion for the So family. when you were working in pro sports and you were involved in tennis, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. So how did you get connected with beer? Like you said, they were a sponsor. Like, how did that relationship yeah. go to the next level? Yeah. So at the time, um, I was actually um, basically sponsorship fulfillment. So I was part of the operations crew and uh, responsible for basically enacting all of the sponsorship benefits for every sponsor within the ATP tour. So, you know, and that's how we met. And they were a sponsor at the Volvo Tennis Tournament in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, had a little, you know, pop-up stands, to be honest, it was a disaster. 
And I'll say again, not that the beer was bad, not that, but at the time and at the place in New Haven, Connecticut, it was the land of Amstel Light and Heineken. It was imports. That was what was big at the time. And the one craft brewer that was doing well in New England at the time, you know, again, that was really doing well or starting to do well was Sam Adams, right? Because again, the name, but that was just at the very beginning. And so when I say it was a disaster, I wouldn't say that the sponsorship was a disaster. I think it exposed a lot of people to craft beer, but like, we just didn't sell as much beer as we wanted. I just didn't see the beer lines. We just, you know, we tried moving the stands. We tried doing different things. We put up some different signage. And I just remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, all these people are missing out on something amazing. Why aren't they trying it? But, you know, again, at the time, and, and I mean, we, we still deal with it, right? When somebody has a preconceived notion about what beer is, they, it's hard sometimes to say, hey, try this. You know, um, in this day and age, people still, right? They walk in and they, somebody will go, oh, I, I don't like dark beer. <laughs> Just because it's dark, you don't even know what it tastes like. So I think, you know, again, that really kind of stuck with me. Here's people really putting themselves out there for their passion and what they believe in. And it was something that I wanted to be part of. And one thing I really enjoy about you is your passion for education. It sounds like you were passionate about educating the masses about craft beer, even in those days. You, you have to be, I mean, um, and it's, and I will be honest, it is really, really hard as a supplier. You know, I, again, I've never opened a brewery and that was my choice and my personal choice. I invested my, my time and effort of my life into my son. That was more important to me than that. Not that work isn't. I love it. Like, Education as a supplier is essential because we really need to work with the brewers out there to ensure that they're get, you know they're putting their best beer forward. Um, and the more ed again, education needs to be formal and informal. And you, again, these are just the conversations that we're having now, right? Like education is the key. Education is the key. When somebody walks in and they go, oh, I don't like dark beer. You, you've got to understand, well, why don't you like dark beer? Do you realize that, you know, there's different types of malt? They could be sweet. They could be, you know, and explain. Um, and it's something that one of the reasons I, I love working with White Labs is that it's definitely a passion of ours as a company to ensure that we're educating and not just our customers, brewery customers, but you know, when consumers come into our tasting room and all our beers, we actually have beer analytic sheets that a lot of people don't realize that we actually understand our strains so that we can pass that information along. Because if we do, then better chance of better beer. You, you can't you can't stay. Yeah, it, it's it, education is, is key. It just is key. Yeah, it's all about education. And when wearing your your White Labs hat, how much education is based on the products that you're offering to breweries versus just general beer education and techniques to educate everyone involved in the process? Uh, it depends on the audience. I mean, we have, a, like I said, we have a wide variety of, of audiences, you know, because uh, while beer and pro breweries are primary customers, you know, every, we do have the brewing company. So we sell our beer. So we have just consumers. We do wineries. We do kombucha. We do distilling. So it's really having those conversations based on the audience. And I think that that's, again, something that's really important and really critical. Um, there's a big difference with going out and selling, right? Sell my beer, buy my beer, buy my beer. Give them something that they want to talk about. Listen to what they're saying so that you can make your approach kind of like in line. You know, even on education, 
as you know, I recently moved to Salt Lake um, and it's been fun. It has been fun going around to meet different brewers that I didn't see because I've been in Colorado for so long and just having those informal conversations. And then we start talking beer styles, right? And we start talking, well, what about this mall? What about, you know, and that, like, again, that's education. You know, I'm not selling you anything at that point. We're just having a conversation. And I think that that's really important to remember um, for all of us in this industry. Talk from your heart and, and listen to what the person that you're discussing with is telling you because it, you don't want to fall into the what i call a you salesman trap right and we're absolutely in the relationships business and this has been a conversation i've had with a few people recently you know how would you describe the current state of collaboration versus competition in the craft beer industry now do you feel there's more competition between brewers or are we still having that level of collaboration we saw maybe a decade ago when brewers in a community all knew one another and shared willingly you know, again, this is where the, the, the history is going to come back. And I, I don't want to say anything to upset anybody. My my biggest concern is that we've lost the history of the industry, like where we've come from. And a lot of that is collaboration. Right. And a lot of breweries now, you know, they're in crowded marketplaces. You know, there you know, there's 20, 30 small tap rooms in, you know, in, in, in a city. And there needs to be collaboration because obviously you want people to come in and drink, but they're also by the sheer nature of the volume has to be more competition. And the competition you have to, again, like I was saying before, you have to be a little careful about just selling your beer, right? Our beer is the best, our beer is the best. Why are people coming into your facility, right? That's like you're talking about the relationship, the experience. So I would personally say, I feel there's probably more competition just because there's more breweries. The nature and the, and the industry in general is always going to be collaborative because that's just who we are. We're all excited about it, no matter where you sit or what, you know, whether it's an association or a supplier or a brewery or distributor, we're all in this because we love the product. But, you know, we definitely have lost some of that, I'll just call personal connection in that, you know, even before um, COVID, you know, and, and I think it's just because we, we don't really look back very often at the history of this industry and how we got to where we got, right? You have those icons, people will remember those icons, but, you know, have we really tried to make sure that there's been a continuum of, you know, here's the timeline of what we, you know, who the, who the movers and shakers were in the eighties and their influence on the nineties and then the influence on the early two thousands and the two tens and the two twenty. Right. I think that part of it to me is, is why we've lost some of the collaboration because we just really haven't put together the history in a way that's relatable to what's happening right now. That's such an interesting thought because craft beer is so much about storytelling. You know, breweries want to share their story, the stories behind the beers. Yet you're saying the story's almost gotten lost over the years from how we got to from point A to point B. Yeah. How do you think we can do better about that? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about it. I, I'll, I'll just say um, the mature and wise ones. Like I said, Julia Hers always tells me I'm not allowed to say I'm old. One of my favorite people as well. Yeah, exactly. But she always says, you can't say you're old, Joanne. I'm like, okay. Um, I, I can say dinosaur. I can say, um, I can just say I've been around for a long time, but mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, getting back to 
looking at where the industry was, you know, how do I, mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a magic button as you say it, but I mean, I can't, I mean, I personally can tell you all these amazing stories about these brewers and these breweries are still around. Some are still around, some aren't still around. Right. And, you know, when we go out and we talk about our brewery and we talk about, again, everybody, every brewery has a story, you know, are we talking about what led us down this path? Are we talking about that beer that we had as a home brewer? Or we like, I, I don't hear a lot of, this is why I started my brewery as much. And maybe that's part of it. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, we haven't, we just haven't done a good job as a, as an industry in general of, you know, laying that groundwork and telling this story, you know, where's the, where's the historical timeline of, you know, we had a hundred breweries, blah, blah, blah. Like it's out there, but it's just not in a cohesive manner. You know, I mean, I 20, let's see, 24 GABFs, I think I've been to, you know, and I remember when there were hundred breweries or 50 breweries, you know, and now there's thousands of them. And, you know, I, I don't know where the platform is to tell it, but I think it would be really important. And I think what we would find is that a lot of the breweries would realize they're relatable to a wider demographic because you're crossing an age gap. You know, I, I really don't like when someone's like, it's not your father's beer. I'm like, actually, it'd be cool if it was your father's beer. Right. Because your father's enjoying it and I'm enjoying it. That's kind of cool. No, that's amazing. I mean, that's what beer is about. Shared experiences. Yep. So looking at, you know, what you've done in your life, you've worked in so many different industries. And I learned from looking at your LinkedIn that you also taught high school math at one point in time. I did. I did. So looking at all your unique careers, whether, you know, in beer, whether teaching, whether you founded the, the Colorado Distillers Guild, correct? I did. So you, you've done a lot of really neat things. What's one thing or maybe a few things you want to throw out there that you've learned from other industries outside of beer that you think we should be bringing in the craft beer industry? Um, first thing I will say is arrogance. Arrogance has no place in, in any industry. Um, you can be proud of your product, but you, if you're boastful and rude and you know, again, kind of downtrodden to the others, it doesn't work and it doesn't help the industry. Um, you know, whether it was prep schools or whether it was distillers or, you know, um, I do some, I do some organizational design work with different associations. It's, you know, you always have to be able to be self-reflecting. You always have to sit down and say, you know, this isn't going well, this isn't, whatever the industry is. Right. And I think that that's a lesson that crosses everything. Um, I think the other thing is, is really no matter who you are, making sure you understand the audience you're talking to you again, and this kind of ties into arrogance. Th there is no place for me, right? It's not about you. When you walk into a meeting or you walk in to have a discussion, there's a bigger picture that's going on and you have to be able to pick up on the subtle cues and what's happening. And you can't just walk in and talk about me because then it, again, you lose people, you lose, you lose that ability to connect. Um, so I think, again, I, I think that's just general organiz, kind of organizational design. Um, you know, and I, and I think too, it's, it's that self-reflecting part. Um, I will tell you, 
as we're just talking, you know, in general, when a brewer tells me that they, I would ne I've never dumped out a bat of, you know, a batch of beer. I've never had a bad beer. I look at them and I'm like, I don't want to try your beer. And I know that's a pretty strong statement, but it just says to me that you're not, you know, again, are you willing to be honest with yourself? Because stuff doesn't go right all the time. It doesn't, you know, I mean, we, we had a meeting last week at White Labs and, you know, I always encourage my staff to, you know, let's have an honest discussion. You know, what are we not doing? Well, it's okay. It, it, it's not, don't take it personally. You know, and I think that's the other thing too, is that we have to really teach people to not get too personal. This is business. This is beer. This is passion. I understand that. But sometimes again, don't make it just about you because then you might make a decision that you otherwise wouldn't. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and maybe that's too why I don't like to talk <laughs> because I'm just kind of like, I'm always kind of like, well, I don't really have much to say. I don't really like, I don't know what I'm bringing to the table. I really want to hear what people want me, you know, again, what people want to discuss. I respect that. I like to listen. I like to learn. And you mentioned a minute ago that, you know, everyone's going to make a bad batch of beer sometimes. And I think that's truly how we become better people and better organizations because we learn from our mistakes. If we're not making mistakes, then we're not going in a forward direction. And my, my wife hates it when I say I like to be wrong because she thinks I'm not telling the truth, but I do like to be wrong sometimes, you know? It's so funny because yeah, the people think and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you just think, I'm like, no, I actually, I have no problem with someone telling me that didn't work. You didn't, I didn't like your approach. It didn't, because again, I always tell people, you know, there's value in the journey, not just the outcome. There is, you know, and, and again, that's maybe why I think we should tie in like the history of beer, right? The values in the journey, the industry is where it is because of what's been happening over the past 30 years and all of the participants, right? Look at what, you know, look at where this industry is. If you had asked somebody 30 years ago, um, and I'm sure you can ask Charlie Papazian or, you know, at Pete, Pete Sloshberg, or any of them, right? Larry Bell, you know, do, would you have ever imagined this is where the industry would be? A lot of people would have different insights, right? You know, and so I just think it's important to always just kind of take that step back and reflect and really understand, you know, again, what's what's going well, what not what's not going well, and, you know, say I can always be a little bit better. No, I love it. And looking at the craft beer industry right now, what's something that makes you optimistic about the future? Well, to that, you know, to that last statement, I think a lot of it is our, you know, what's been happening in the industry is the honesty about what's, you know, transpired over the years, whether it be in the in the nature of sexual harassment, whether it be in diversity. And we're working hard as an industry to try and address these things that we know were probably not where they should have been. I, you know, I, I am so hopeful, you know, when I see I'm actually on the NBA DEI task force, but seeing all the industry, you know, all the industry associations come together to address it, looking at the mentorship program and already, you know, seeing stories about these brewers who are coming out of these mentor programs. So again, it's just going to make our industry more, more collaborative and more cohesive, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's a, to me, that's a, just a huge step that the industry is do, the industry in general is doing a little bit of self-reflecting on where we were and where we want to be. 
Now, I think it's very important and positive steps in the right direction are great to see. One other thing besides your insight that I really enjoy about you is the pictures you post on Facebook of your son and rock climbing and all the travels, you know, you do in your personal life. How do you, because you are so busy, Joanne, you are tuned in nearly 24 seven, but how do you find time to spend it with your family and do the things you enjoy? Well, you know, again, I, to me, everything is a balance, right? And you and I were just talking about this, about, you know, for a lot of people that transition to working remote and like, how do you walk away? You have to make that decision, right? I, again, I just kind of said, it's the value of the journey. Um, we also have another, my son is, as he's been little, has a, a, a saying, I'm like, experience is not stuff. Like we've never had a lot of stuff in our houses, but we're always out doing something. And I think it's just making it a priority um, because, that's who we are as a family, you know, my son, myself, and, you know, the dog that rolls his eye, you know, rolls her eyes at me every, every so often, you know, that, I mean, that's who we are and we follow our passion and we follow our excitement and we make sure that it's part of what we do on a regular basis. Um, It's actually kind of cool because he's in college now and today was the first official day of school. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm really excited. People are like, are you going to miss him? I'm like, no. Um, and again, I do miss him. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know, now he's doing his own thing. Like, what do I get to do now? You know, so I'm already kind of thinking of some new projects for 2022. Um, I, you know, do I want to start? Recently, I broke my wrist. Uh, some people know. Um so I've been climbing as much. So I've been running a lot. So now I'm like, Ooh, do I want to do another hundred K? Do I want to? So, you know, I, again, maybe this is, this is kind of what I was saying before and what we were kind of talking about, about being self-reflective, you know, who I am as a person, whether you encounter me in the beer world, whether you encounter me in the climbing world, you know, or the consulting world or mentorship or, you know, a number of the different things I do you always get me as the, the totality, the good and the bad, right? You get all the pieces. Um, and I'm honest about, you know, what's working and what's not working. I think it all comes together back to your education focus, because you have to understand someone from all angles to truly understand them, whether it's you, whether it's beer, whatever we're talking about, that is understanding all aspects is so vital. It, it is, you know, it, it's just, I mean, think about, I just think about all, you know, the, all the breweries out there, all the climbing gyms out there, everything has been happening to COVID, right? And you have to always look at it from the thousand foot viewpoint. It, if you just constantly get in your, like I said, that own your own headspace, and that's all you're concerned about, you kind, you'll miss opportunities. You'll just miss opportunities to not just improve yourself or your business or, but like you, you, you gotta always have that thousand foot viewpoint. And I think that's something that's really hard for a lot of people because especially when you're like, if you're owning your own business, because that is your focus. Right. But I think it's really important to take that step back and look at it from the bigger picture. I agree. So big picture, Joanne, what's next for you? You've worked in so many different industries. You have so many passions in your life. Is there anything on that list that you still want to do that experience you and your son have to have? Like if you could be anywhere right now, where would it be? Obviously without a broken wrist. Yeah. Well, what, well, what he and I had had hope, well, we had talked about, and obviously this got derailed is I would like to do a big mountain climb. Now, obviously Everest is not, I don't think on my radar because that would mean literally taking a year off of work and training. Um, but we've talked about wanting to, at some point, 
maybe something like Denali and doing some more true mountaineering, the two, just he and I for fun. Um, but he has his own goals. And like I said, he's in school right now. So we, we really have to plan. Um, so next on the agenda, yeah, I, I have something that I'm working on that, that is combining my two passions for climbing and craft beer for 2022 that's been on in, in a business plan on the back burner for a while. Um, I moved to Midvale, Utah, so that was like a big deal, right? And I, I picked up and moved out of Colorado, so I, I look forward to making lots of connections with the craft beer here because the craft beer scene in Salt Lake is phenomenal. Um, a lot of really interesting breweries, also a lot of great dist um, craft distilleries out here as well. Um, good restaurant scene too. Um, yeah, probably a few more, like I said, probably get back into doing ultra marathons and things because like I said, with my son at school, I have more time. Uh, yeah. I mean, we like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have like definitive, but I am excited to, for 2022, really try and get this, this passion project of, of climbing and craft beer off the ground. So we'll are see. you able to give us a little teaser at all on that one? No, not yet. Just because we're, yeah, not yet. It's, but it's kind of, it's about kind of like the same thing that you do about passionate conversations about the things that you love. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize, um, and I should say that the brewers who actually are into climbing know this, um, is that craft beer has a lot of climbers, like brewery owners and brewers that are climbers. And so it's a really cool little undercurrent scene, which is fun. Um, so I had originally started the, um, Colorado Climbers League. Um, and it would be kind of fun to do that nationwide. So maybe that in the future too. But yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't have anything right now. Um, I love how you say you don't have anything. Then you list like 10 different things and ideas and other aspects of your life you're passionate about. And I think that's great. You give everyone else inspiration just to do more. I mean, I stay busy all the time, but you make me want to rock climb. You make me want to travel more. You make me just want to further my business the best I can. I think that's really inspiring, Joanne. Well, I appreciate that, but you should always want to do some rock climb more. That's just, you know, before <laughs> your local climbing gyms, just like uh, craft beer and, and legislation, there's, there's laws out there that are trying to support these climbing gyms who have were decimated um, during COVID. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, well, I take it back. So there is one thing that I will just say to this audience, because it is, again, not specifically craft beer related, but climbing related, is that, um, you know, USA Climbing, we won, it, we won a medal in the Olympics. First year it was in, in the Olympics. Yay, exactly. Phenom like, phenomenal. Nobody ever thought we would. Um, but one of the things that we're working on right now, um, is getting a foundation off the ground. And so, um, my work with USA climbing is to your point is just really exciting because I have to get more co committee members. I'm the chair of the nomination and governance, but we have to get more committee members, but we're working on a foundation so we can actually start to really introduce more kids to climbing, be able to support programs out there to further that Olympic movement beyond if you want to say just the privileged class. So it's that part is pretty exciting. 
That's amazing. I'm excited to follow your progress, making that happen. Cause I'm sure you will. And every other thing you've got your fingers in and Joanne, I do want to thank you for coming to hang out with me again today. I know you're going to go help at the rock climbing gym moving out. I, yeah, I'm going to shoot over to USA climbing. I was, yeah, it, it was disappointing, but we, uh, we had an amazing training center, which I really believe helped, um, helped us get to a, a medal at the Olympics, which was, again, it's just, it's still, every time you think about it, it's just so phenomenal. Um, but yeah, our training center, we have to move. So USA climbing staff within a matter of uh, two weeks has literally taken down our entire training center. Um, and it has to be done and out the door uh, by Friday. Well, so, at least you won't have to do much of the heavy lifting. No, I, I'm getting out of it. But, the, you know, but again, I did get clearance uh, last week. My bone is actually healed. So I will be back climbing starting next week. I was given permission, not full weight bearing. So I can't do can't do actual like a lot of the trainings and pull ups and that type of thing. But I do get to be back in the climbing gym next week. That's amazing. And I know you'll love it. I have one final question for you. That'll be one final word. You know, if you could take one word that represents your life or your just energy or your you know ethos, what would that word be? intentional. I love it. I love it. I love what you do. I love how inspiring you are. And I look forward to seeing you again, hopefully before too long. Yeah. Well, the next time, well, hope maybe in the interim, but the next time I know I'll see you is we look forward to, and I'm really happy that white labs has been able to support CBC connects. Um, and yeah, so we'll see the next time I will see you is Norfolk for sure. Well, I appreciate all your support and everything for everyone listening. Hope to see you in Norfolk, Virginia as well, yeah. February 7th, 8th, and 9th for an in-person workshop. Appreciate White Labs, Joanne, and everything they do. And good luck helping them clean up the climbing gym. Yeah, Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Will you be joining us in person in 2022? Register now for CBP Connects, presented by Arrived, on February 8th and 9th in Norfolk, Virginia, for an intimate two-day workshop that is sure to help you better yourself both personally and professionally. In addition to leaving with actionable strategies to grow, CBP Connects is an opportunity to network and learn from your fellow craft beer professionals. You're invited to three nightly receptions at some of the finest breweries in Virginia. Drinks included, thanks to the support of our fantastic industry allies. This is a not-to-miss intimate experience. Visit cbpconnects.com for more information. Cheers.